church. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Are you ready to worship the Lord today? All right, let's lift him up. Let's lift up the name of Jesus, the one who has paid it all for us. Please stand if you feel led to.
seated. Early that morning, some women went to the tomb and they say that they saw him. They came back bewildered, excited, perplexed, and told some of the disciples, you're never going to believe this, but we saw him and he told us to tell you so. And they said, you're nuts. And they ran to see for themselves. And they say that they saw him too. In fact, most, all but one of them died saying that they had seen him in the risen flesh and that over 40 days, he had continued to appear to them, not just once, but over 40 days, he continued to appear to them and had meals with them and walked through walls and taught them about the kingdom of God. And even the half-brother of Jesus, James, said, I was the most cynical of all people, but I saw him and I believe. There was a group of them who saw Jesus ascend into heaven and even after that time, a man named Saul who was going around uh, persecuting and killing Christians, dragging them out of their homes, he got knocked off his horse and said he had seen Jesus too. And to this day, around the world, there are people who still say that Jesus has appeared to them. People who have seen him in visions and dreams and people in foreign countries and people in places where the gospel has not been preached yet somehow say that they've had an encounter with the risen Jesus and it's turned the world upside down and I believe them. Say it with me. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Happy Easter. So good to have you here at Watermark this Sunday. Welcome to all of you joining here in person. Those of you joining online, so good to be here with you to celebrate our risen Savior. If you're a guest with us this morning, either in person or online, we'd invite you to text the word Watermark to the number 94,000, and we'd just love a chance to follow up with you. Or if you're here in person, you can grab one of those Connect cards out of the pew and take that out to the Connection Center. I'll be there out after the service, and we'll just uh, love to follow up with you that way. Uh, also, maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you're new to following Jesus and learning about the gospel. And we have a class coming up starting this month at all of our campuses called Begin. And if you go to the website, you can find some more information about Begin uh, there on the website. Or you can, again, go out to the Connection Center. We can uh, share some more information about that with you there. Uh, thank you for your continued generosity to the, to the work and ministry here of Watermark. You can give in person here in one of the boxes. You can give online or you can mail that in. And uh, we're going to pray for the offering in just a moment. Uh, it's so good to see so many of you here this morning. You may have noticed we took down the, the barriers that were keeping some of the roads closed, and we're just inviting you today to, to self-regulate, to self you know, to be aware of your surroundings and how close you are to other people. We are asking as well that you wear your mask for the whole service just so that we can all have our family gathering safely today. And so if you, you know, as we're singing, if you notice you're a little closer to somebody else, then maybe you should be. Uh, we, we got some space you can spread out. Thanks for doing that in advance. And let's lift our voices and, and pray together as we... Uh, Give, give back the Lord a portion of what he's given to us and join together today. Thanks, God, for all that you've blessed us with and for the many blessings you've placed into our hands. And as we give back a portion of what you've entrusted to us back into your care, we ask that you bless both giver and gift. And Lord, today as we gather in this place, would you be here? Would you show up here as you have so many times before? And would we sense the power of the resurrected Jesus here in this place today? We pray this in the matchless name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's lift our voices again together in song.
Luke 24, one through six says, on the first of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the two men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Go ahead and have a seat. You know, I feel like this day is years in the making. Last year, if you remember, you had an Easter much like mine where you watched Easter services on television. We did our best and we produced the best we could, but it just wasn't the same, was it? But how good is it today to be together singing, worshiping, remembering that Jesus paid it all for us? Isn't it good to be here today? We can celebrate that. And, and this is what I've been looking forward to most this weekend, and this has all been good so far, but these next 30 seconds could be amazing. There's a traditional Easter greeting where when somebody says, he is risen, the typical response is, he is risen indeed. Let's raise the roof off this place as we do just that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Isn't that so good to declare together this morning? I tried that last year at home with my family, but with five of us, it didn't have the same effect. So thanks for being a part of that. Thanks for being here today, and thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness over this year. It has been a challenging year. As Hannah just read, that early morning of the first Easter, nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus' closest friends, these women, were in grief. Their friend, their hero, the one they'd walked with and did life with, the one they'd see heal countless people was dead. They went to the tomb to prepare his body properly for burial with spices and and all that the tradition would ask them to do. But when we got there, they saw something they didn't expect. The stone that had covered the tomb, the entrance to the tomb was rolled away. That had to cause them immediately to start thinking, what in the world is going on? But then two angels appeared to them. You know, I've never had angels appear to me, so I don't know exactly what would that be like, but this combination of the stone being rolled away and the two angels definitely caught their attention. And then the angels asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And I'm sure at this moment it had all of their attention. What do you mean the living among the dead? We came here to to anoint his body, to prepare him for burial. What do you mean the living among the dead? And what the women heard next would change their lives forever. What the women heard next would change your life and my life forever. As it's translated into English, it's seven words. And for us, it might be the most important seven words ever uttered. He is not here. He is risen. Imagine the joy that covered their hearts. Imagine the emotion that filled them as they realized their Jesus, their friend, their Savior, was risen from the dead. 
No greater sentence has ever been spoken in any language. And that, those words, those seven words are why we're here today, why we celebrate here today. When Jesus rose from the dead, he proved a lot of things. First, he proved he was savior. A lot of people can predict and say they're gonna rise from the dead. I could tell you, you know, in hopefully the next 50 years (laughs) when I die, however many it takes, I could tell you I will rise from the dead. But unless I do it, the words are hollow. But Jesus did exactly that. He proved it by actually doing what he said. He rose from the dead. It's a totally different thing when you say it, when you do it as opposed to just saying it. The other thing that's interesting is savior is such a great word. Did you know that you and I, we need a savior? But a savior from what? What do we need saving from? What's the big deal, Jesus? Why did you do all this? What is the reality of this world that you had to do all these things? I'm fine. I don't need a savior, but you do. And as we'll look in the next few moments, we'll look at four things that Jesus saves us from and what he replaces them with. Four things that when you look at your life and you see what we're about to talk about, you'll understand that Jesus is far greater than you ever anticipated. And he just didn't come for, for to save us from sin, but it's so much more. So the first exchange we're going to talk about is Jesus exchanges our sins for his righteousness. Our sin for his righteousness. Did you know that when, G- when God looks at you through the lens of Jesus, he sees you pure and holy? When God looks at you through the lens of Jesus, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, you are pure and blameless. No sin, no tarnishment on your soul, nothing. You are whole in his eyes when God looks at you through the lens of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Through Jesus, God sees you as perfect. As perfect. Now, if you were going to do a simple inventory of your life, all the things you've done, all the things you've seen, all the things you've experienced, and you ask yourself, am I worthy of being seen as perfect? Is that really how God sees me? I know in my life, I know who I am, where I've been, what I've done, that I wouldn't see myself as perfect. So it's hard for me to understand sometimes how God sees us as perfect. When you carry sin in your life, you see, you become filled with guilt and shame. When I think back to some of the things I've done, the guilt and shame, they can come pretty quickly. Thank goodness for Jesus. Sin isolates you, it traps you, it keeps you away from the normal life that God would have for you, the abundance it creates, it rots you from the inside out. Once sin gets in, it just destroys you from the inside out. You know, as I've been driving up and down Bayview each day going home, if you've noticed, if you go that way, they cut a lot of trees down under the power lines, and a lot of the trees are hollow. It's really interesting as you look at them, and you know, if you know anything about a hollow tree and how it becomes hollow, there's an initial injury to the tree. 
Either a limb falls off, a woodpecker or a pest gets through the bark and starts to expose the wood underneath. Over time, water and snow and ice get in that, in that little injury and they start causing rot. And year after year after year, as water gets in, more and more pools up and it begins to rot the tree. The wood becomes soft and spongy. And eventually, parasites and fungus come into the tree and they just destroy it. Now, the tree can look good on the outside. You generally can't tell if a hollow tree is hollow just by looking at it. You've got to tap into the core and see what's inside. But when you look at a hollow tree, it looks fine. But you've all seen a windstorm and you've seen a big tree blown over. And most of the time when you see that, what's wrong with that tree? It's hollow. The inside is rotted right out of it. There's nothing left. And it's vulnerable. When the wind rises, when a storm comes, that tree is easy pickings for the high winds. The same happens to you and me. As soon as sin enters our lives, it gets in and starts to rot us from the inside out, making us a shell of the person we're created to be. And then when the storms of life come up and the pressure gets high and we don't have that that firm foundation, we're, we're rotten on the inside, what happens? We fall over. Just like that hollow tree. We're susceptible to the wind and the storms of life. Sin steals something from us. It steals our hope. It steals who we are. It steals our very being and rots it away. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify us from all the rot. Purify us, make us new from the inside out. Now in my life, I've golfed twice. And I became very accustomed with one word as I did those two times on the golf course, a mulligan, because I needed them all the time. And as my friends, I don't even think we finished the one round because my friends were so sick of me chasing balls into the woods. But a mulligan is this interesting thing in golf where I don't know if it happens all the time, but it definitely happened for me. If you shank the ball way over here, you're allowed to go get it and start over. It's a beautiful concept. What, I hit it into the woods? I can do that over again? It's great. I wish that applied to all areas of life, don't you? You get pulled over by a cop. He comes and knocks on your window. You roll down and you say to him, excuse me, sir, can I get a mulligan for this one? If you try that and it works, let me know. I know I have a couple of friends who are cops, may even be in here right now, and I bet you're even thinking, Paul, stop it. That's not even funny. Or if you overdraw your bank account, you know, you go over by maybe even only 15 or $20 and you get a late fee, I mean, an overdraft charge on your account. When you do that next time, call the bank. This, I just want to see if it works. Call the bank and ask for a mulligan. Say, you know, I really didn't mean to overdraft my account. It just sort of happened. I don't think they would give it to you. But as we look at Jesus and as we look at his work on the cross, it's essentially we get a mulligan in life. We have an opportunity to start fresh, to start over, to do things in a totally different way. 
through the power of Jesus in our lives and through his healing of who we are, we can stand new, new creations. All the old rot is gone and we're new creations. In a sense, we get mulligans. Now, this doesn't cover the consequences of sin in our lives. Sometimes we do things so heinous that there's just consequences that pile on. That's not what Jesus came to to do. He forgives us our sins. The consequences may still be present, but you can know that you're made new. The rod is gone and you have a fresh start. In a sense, you can have a mulligan in life because Jesus exchanges our sin for his righteousness. Isn't that good news? I love it. The second exchange, he exchanges our burdens for his rest. Jesus didn't just come to forgive us our sins. He came to impact our entire lives, everything about us, to heal everything and every bit of who we are. Matthew 11, um, um, 11, 18, excuse me, 28 through 30 says this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. All of us who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest. Just listen to these words. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus didn't just come to save our souls for heaven. He came to bring heaven here to earth. He came to work in our spiritual, our physical, and our emotional lives to offer us hope, healing, and grace. Our vision statement around here is we exist to be an undeniable force of God's hope, healing, and grace impacting generations to come. That's why Jesus came. Yes, to forgive our sins and to give us righteousness, but to come into the middle of our lives and to take our burdens and give us rest. Our world is a tricky place right now. I talked to enough of you to know that you're fed up with much of what's happening all around us. From this bit of news that is different than this bit of news, how do you make sense of all of it and how do you justify it in your mind to know what the right thing is to do anymore? It's really challenging. And the challenge of that can start to erode us. We get more calls here at the church lately than, than maybe ever of people who are just struggling in life because of our current environment. People who are done and exhausted from everything that's going around, the crippling realities of our world have, have crushed and are impacting many people. But Jesus, Jesus exchanges our burdens for rest. Let me read that same verse I just did in the message. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Just pause there. Can you relate to those questions? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let those words just soak in. There's the option that through Jesus, we have the ability to live freely and lightly. Isn't that good news? 
You know, in the beginning of Luke, when Jesus declares what he came here to do, he shares these words, and, and Luke records them in Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. The spirit of the Lord was on Jesus and he preached the good news to the poor of the world. Physically, emotionally, spiritually poor people heard the good news through Jesus. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Have you ever felt like you were in prison due to life? Jesus created a way for you to find freedom and to be able to see Maybe your spiritual eyes have been tarnished and you can't see, but he wants to clear your vision, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yes, Jesus came to free us from our sin and offer us righteousness, but he also came to exchange our burdens for rest. The third exchange is Jesus exchanges our poverty for his abundance. You see, when Jesus was in heaven, he had everything he could ever want. He was seated at the right hand of the Father. And he left all of that to come here, to become, and actually he became radically poor as opposed to where he was before. He had nothing. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. He had nothing. When he came to our world, he left everything and came into nothing. And then further at the cross, he was totally destitute. He was poor in every way as he hung on that Roman cross. He had no possessions, no comfort, no defenders, no friends. He had nothing. His closest followers, many of which had left and abandoned him. Why did he do all of that? Well, so that people like you and me can become children of the king. So we can become king's kids. Identify ourselves with God and he would wrap his arms around us. Jesus came to exchange our poverty for his abundance. To share with us his inheritance, all that he had, he wants to give to you and me and share it with us throughout our entire lives. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. He stepped out of heaven to give us heaven. The resurrection calls us to a different worldview. All of a sudden, all the things that mean so much to us mean nothing. Because all of a sudden our lives are not focused in this world, but the world to come. We have an opportunity to live with God, with Jesus forever. He will care for all of your needs here in this world. He'll exchange your poverty for his abundance. He has your best interest in mind all the time. I, I know I've seen this at play at my life. <laughs> Early in my, in my life, I, I was afraid of my own shadow. If you told me I had to stand up here and do what I'm doing right now, I would have crawled under the first pew. There's no way. People who knew me back then are, are amazed at how the Lord is using me now. And it's not because anything I've done, it's because of his work in my life. I used to think I wasn't good enough, smart enough, tall enough, fast enough. 
I used to think I didn't have anything worthwhile that anybody would be interested in, so I was just sort of off on my own, doing my own thing. Can you relate to that? That, that, that feeling like whatever you try and whatever you do, it's never enough. That crippled me for years. And then I became acquainted with Jesus and the gospel message, and it transformed me. Yes, my sin was taken away and I found righteousness, but I had abundance. My self-image, and I still struggle sometimes. I still feel some of those things as they creep in, but I know that I have a Savior that cares about all of me about all of who I am, all my struggles, all my strengths, all my good habits, all my bad. He loves every bit of it. And he's given me what I need to do what I do. And he will do the same for you wherever you feel inadequate in life. He will step in. I used to feel utterly useless. And he, and he changed that forever. He has exchanged my poverty mindset for his abundance. And the final exchange we're going to look at today is Jesus exchanges our death for his life. Here's a happy thought for Easter morning. You ready? You're going to hate me for this. The minute you were born, you started dying. (laughs) Great news. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. As soon as you enter this earth, if you want to think of it this way, you're heading towards the end of your life. It's just the way it is. We're all bound to that. That's the reality for all of us. But Jesus enters in and that death is not the end. It's a glorious new beginning. Jesus exchanges exchanges our death for his life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, we might be heading towards death, but it's not an ending. Through Jesus, it's a glorious new beginning where we get to experience his life. God isn't some distant observer or vindictive judge who's trying to catch you in the things you're doing wrong. He has so much more to offer. He wants to give you his very life so that you can experience his goodness over and over and over again. Jesus is our loving Savior who wants to save us for eternity. John 1, 12 through 13 Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor human decision, nor husband's will, but born of God. You're a child of God. When you call on Jesus as Lord and Savior, he, you're no longer just an eternal being with a physical body that, you know, yes, you have a physical body, but there's so much more. The physical body becomes not that important. You're a spiritual being who's having a temporary human experience. When you're saved by Jesus, death is no longer permanent. It's just a hiccup on the road. Through Jesus, death is defeated and you all of a sudden move from death to life. Some people ask, is Jesus worthy of celebration? 
some people come and they ask, is this really true? Does this make sense? Well, there's one way to find out. Have you exchanged your life for his? His early followers did. His early followers experienced his righteousness and his rest and his, uh, 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 and his um, abundance and his life. They experienced all of it. And then Jesus did something incredible, which we'll start to talk about next week. He sent his Holy Spirit to them and they started doing things they'd never dreamt possible. And one day Peter healed, one day Peter healed a man who was unable to walk. And the religious leaders asked him, Peter, how, how did you do that? How did you heal that man? Peter said, "Is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Listen to this. Jesus is the stone, the cornerstone your builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to humankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is our cornerstone. Do you know what a cornerstone is? In the, in the ancient world, when they built a building, they would set the cornerstone first, and then they would shoot all of their lines and levels and everything from that one stone. It became the measuring point for the entire structure. Everything was based on that cornerstone. It became the, the centerpiece of that building, if you will. Everything was built from it. Jesus is our cornerstone that we're to build our lives on, everything about us. So for many, Jesus is a cornerstone, but for others, he's a stumbling block. 1 Corinthians 1.23 says, We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. The Jews were looking for a military power. Jesus didn't fit their mold, so they said, forget it. This doesn't make any sense. The Gentiles thought our God was weak because his son died. That just shattered everything they thought about any God they would follow. So he became a stumbling block and he was foolishness. Many of you have thought he's foolishness over time too, or maybe you still do, when he says stuff like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I know a lot of people who have walked away from Jesus because of that statement alone. Because they feel there's many ways to God, but Jesus says it himself, no one comes to the Father except through me. And they throw Jesus to the side because they can't believe it. So my question for you, is Jesus your cornerstone or is he a stumbling block? Do you look at him and do you say, I can build my life upon his teachings? Or do you look at him and say, I stub my toe on him and I can't take it? You owe it to yourself to explore this truth. You owe it to yourself to explore, is Jesus in fact the cornerstone that he talks about? Pastor Steve mentioned at the beginning of service, we're doing a begin class for those who are trying to figure these things out. If you're thinking you're not sure if he's a cornerstone or a stumbling block, the begin class is the right place for you where you can get your questions answered and dive into these questions more deeply. When I was 15 years old, I followed Jesus for the first time. 
over the last 32 years, I've, I've followed him sometimes really well and sometimes not so well. But I've seen these four exchanges at play in my life over and over again. I remember what it was like to be hollow, that sin had eroded me from the inside out. And I remember ex- exploring and receiving the beauty of his righteousness. I know what it's like to have burdens and the power and the and all the stress of life crushing in to find his rest. I know what it's like to go from poverty to abundance and goodness. Going from death to life is overwhelming. Maybe Easter 2021 will be the time you look at Jesus as a cornerstone for the first time where you put him aside as a stumbling block and you say, I'm going to figure out if all of this is true. I'm going to figure out for myself what I believe. If it is, I I dare you to try. See what happens when you seek after him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this Easter where we can be together and worship and celebrate what you've done for us, Jesus. We thank you for the ways in which you have brought us from death to life. You've taken our sin. You've taken our burdens and given us rest. How you've taken our poverty and you've given us abundance. Father, I pray for everybody in this room that they would experience those four exchanges on a regular basis. Father, I especially pray for those who are trying to figure out if Jesus is a cornerstone or a stumbling block. I pray that as you work on their their hearts, you would see more and more, that they would see more and more that you are the cornerstone that Peter talked about and that our lives just make more sense when they're built on you. They're stronger. They can endure the challenges and the struggles of life. I pray for those folks that they would dig deep and figure out exactly who you are. Again, we thank you for this day and all that it means for our faith. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Church, can we stand and worship the resurrected King? Oh, I search the world. But he couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together And every desire now satisfied here in your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you there's nothing nothing is better than you I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord, you see.
you just love this? My goodness, thank you for being here today. One more time before we go. He is risen. Oh, come on. He is risen. So good. Next week, we begin a new series called Unstoppable, where we're going to pick up the story right after Easter into the beginning of Acts. And we're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the, the Jesus's followers and then the rest of the world. You don't want to miss it. So next week, we start Unstoppable. Hope you have a great week remembering the things we've learned today and walking out knowing that Jesus is our risen Savior. As you go today, you know, stay masked and what you need to do, but please greet those around you. Maybe you haven't seen some in a while. Take time to say hello, maybe in here in the lobby or outside, but have a great week as you love and serve the Lord. We will see you next week.